So have you ever been in a situation uh, in your life where a friend or a family member got into an altercation with somebody else and, and you were there, uh, like initially as a spectator, right? Um, maybe in high school, you had a buddy or somebody was getting picked on by an upperclassman and you were there and, and you have to, like, it's one of those situations where if you've never been in this situation before, like, you just don't get it, right? In your brain, you are calculating a thousand different things all at the same time. Like the air pressure, the temperature, the humidity, okay? How, how big the guy is that's doing the picking and, and how small the guy is who's getting picked on. At what point are you sure that the situation is going to escalate to the point of a fight? Because look, if, if it's not going to escalate, you don't have to step in, right? You can just kind of hang back. You can kind of watch it play out. You can you just be cool. If it is going to escalate, there's this moment where you have to decide, is this worth my life? If I step in, it's not just my friend who's going to get beat up. I'm going to get beat up. Now, maybe you were the biggest, toughest, strongest guy on campus or whatever. I was not. I just, I had a lady in church when I was a kid. This is how um, loving churches can be. She, every Sunday, I walked in, a, in the church building and, uh, and saw her, and, and she would say this to me. She would just look up at me, and she would go, you're just tall, that's all. <laughs> Self-esteem booster right there. Uh, anyway... Uh, so I, I, was not, I was not the big, uh, hulking, massive person that I am today, is what I'm saying. In high school, I was just tall. And, and so, you know, my friend is getting picked on. I'm, I'm like processing all of this stuff in, in my brain. Like, at what point do I have to s- step in? Because I'm literally taking my life into my own hands if I, if I get involved, right? And, and so, you know, you're trying to, like, do I step into another? Now, I'm, I'm not saying that you, like, ever would just leave your friend to fend for themselves. I'm just saying that you, you like, okay, let's make this biblical. The Bible says that we're to count the cost before we jump into things. And so I'm just standing there, like, counting the cost. I'm like, okay, my life versus my friend's life, uh, what's going on? And so we have to make that decision. In person, in the halls at high school or, or, or whatever, that was, a, that was a real life or death situation. That moment does not happen online. That, that moment where you have to process, should I get involved, should I say something, should I step in, or should I not, because of the consequences, that moment doesn't exist in the online world. Because we can hide behind our um, Facebook, our Twitter profile, or, or whatever. We can hide behind, there's a level of anonymity there that I think gives us freedom 
to jump into conversations and, and things and, and say the things that we might want to, things that we might not say in person if we knew that, like, in person my life might be on the line. But, but online, in the virtual world, I'm not afraid. Uh, yes, they might say some things or whatever, but if I can just, I can just turn my computer off. I can log out. I can shut off the notifications for that thread, and I don't have to hear those things anymore. And so we can jump into a conversation. We can jump into a situation. We can say something like right off the bat. We just like blurt out whatever comes to mind. Like no, no worry about the consequences of that. We just throw it out, and then we get off. We get out of the way. We go do something else, and we don't worry about it anymore. That terrifying in-person moment is gone in the online world. And instead of worrying about the consequences of the things that we say or the things that we, we post, our online profiles give us just enough anonymity to kind of just not care, right? Like there's this moment where online we just go, whatever. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. And so our online lives kind of feel a little bit um, almost like they're not real. And so we can say or, or do what we want to online and it's just, it's, it's not, like we just can almost like separate ourselves from that. There, there was a group of people, this is in my notes, but I was just thinking about this. There's a group of people um, in, in Jesus' day that, that believed that the spirit, a person's spirit, was separate from their physical body. And so they thought that um, as long as you, like mentally, you spiritually assented to God, or you followed God, or you went to the temple and you did the sacrifices, physically, you could do whatever you wanted to, as long as you kind of spiritually acknowledged God. And so they, they believed that the, that the spirit of a person and the physical body of a person were two different things. They were separated. And so you could have this kind of mental assent to God, but then you could engage in whatever kind of sinful, evil practices in, in, in the physical world that you wanted to because they were separate. And we have that similar feeling um, in the physical world versus the virtual online world, right? I mean, that's like almost a separate thing. And, and we've almost been conditioned to, to think that way. There are a lot of things, uh, we talked last week, there's a lot of good that, um, that being connected and being in the interwebs and being online, there's a lot of good that can, can come from that. Um, we've had people all over the world watch our videos uh, that we've been able to post online. That's an awesome thing. When we didn't have church last Sunday, we could go live. We could post that online, and we could still have church even though we weren't having church here. So that's, a, that's an awesome, awesome thing. But there's a lot of stuff going on online that requires us to keep that separate from the rest of our lives. Well, let me say there, in a room like this, all of us, there are a, there's a pretty good number of people here who are or have dealt with 
pornography. And, and the online world has made that incredibly easy to access. And as a man, we would keep that secret, right? Like we don't want anybody to know that we're doing that. And so our online life becomes secret or separate from our physical life. Maybe our married life. And we, and we keep those things separate. And, and I think that idea, in a lot of ways, has filtered into just our online profiles and the things we do. And so we almost get this idea that, that what we do in the virtual world is separate from what goes on in the physical world. And so I can comment, I can say whatever I want to, I can do whatever I want to online, as long as in person I'm nice, I'm kind, I'm, you know, whatever. I can almost live two completely separate and, and different lives. That's real easy to do in the online world. And so there are, there are a lot of um, people that are like this online presence has created a lot of um, subcategories of people in the online world. And, and in the physical world, we can sometimes just kind of distance ourselves from those people. In the online world, it's a, it's a lot more... Um, difficult. For those of you who have a social media profile or whatever, have you, you've probably heard of the word troll. Have you ever been trolled? I'll, I'll tell you a little bit uh, later about my troll experience. For those of you who don't know, a, a, a troll, um, if they were in person, like they would just be a jerk and you'd just punch them and move on. Um, but online, it's a little more difficult to, to get away from this. So a troll are uh, they're people who scan social media looking for a fight. So th th their enjoyment or their pleasure comes from just being online all the time and looking for somebody to say something that, that, that like doesn't even matter who they are. You say something that I can comment on, I can, I can, I can hijack your post or, or, or whatever. So uh, according to, to Wikipedia, because that's where you look in the virtual world for stuff, uh, the goal of a troll is to intentionally upset people. Like that's just, that's what they do. Now again, we know people like that in the physical world. We know people who will, um, who will just try, they, like they're just always trying to get under your skin, it seems like. But we can kind of distance ourselves from them or whatever. We can move or, or do something to get away from them. Online, it's a little more difficult. So trolls, what they do is they, they typically um, post inflammatory or off-topic messages in an online community with the intent of provoking readers into displaying emotional responses. So a troll's goal is to say something on a post that would elicit an emotional response from everybody else on that post. So they don't care what you're talking about. They don't care about the context. They don't care about who you are. All they care about is causing chaos within that um, comment thread. And so um, typically this, like, this is just for their amusement. Like there's no other reason that, that they um, would do this. It makes me think almost like, so in the um, Batman trilogy, the Dark Knight Batman movies, um, there is uh, the, the second one, I think, where the Joker comes in. And was it Heath Ledger that plays that? Heath Ledger plays um, the Joker. 
in, in that movie. I, I went to the theater with my, with my son, some family members, and I watched that movie one time. I have never seen it again. And, and, and like, it's, it's like my kids like love that, love that movie. I absolutely hate it. And I hate it because there is no redeeming quality at all in the Joker character in, in that movie. His amusement was to cause pain and chaos in the world around him just for his own benefit. And I'm just like, I don't need that in my life. <laughs> so I've never, I like, I like, I, you know, I like superheroes. Like Batman isn't a real superhero, but I still watch those movies. And I, but I'm just like, I have never seen that, that movie again. So, so this is a troll, right? For their own amusement, their own benefit. They're going to do these things that just cause problems and um, disrupt somebody else's online activity uh, and manipulate things. Um, they love to do this on uh, political posts as as well. So because of the anonymity of um, social media, of being on, online, we can hide behind our profile picture, and then we can just kind of lob these um, verbal uh, comments and, and posts. Um, we'll call them verbal grenades. We just kind of lob those in um, to other people's lives. It becomes easy online to ridicule or to go after somebody else from the comfort of our home, from the comfort of our phones, when we don't have to worry about repercussions in the, in the physical world for that kind of behavior. And then, so there seems to be this like invisible barrier where our online life deviates from our real life, and we can kind of live these two different kind of lives. And there's an assumption that, that you can say whatever you want in the virtual world without having any real consequences in the physical world. But if our goal as followers of, of Jesus, if our goal is to look more like Jesus, then can we really hide behind our online profile and add fuel to the fire? Or are we called to live differently in the virtual world like we are in the physical world? James tells us this. Um, Do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no so that you may not fall under condemnation. This seems maybe like a strange verse to to, to pick talking about online things. Um, James certainly didn't have any idea that, that we would live in the world that we would live in and we would have these little mini computers in our um, back pockets uh, all the time everywhere we go. He, he didn't understand that. But, but, but this, this verse is, is not really about um, swearing or like taking oaths is what they're talking about. It's really not about that at all. What, what James is saying here is he's saying, look, um, if you tell somebody something, you shouldn't have to reinforce what you say by saying, I swear. You shouldn't have to take an oath either by, by heaven or, or by the earth to, to prop up the thing that you've said. 
So if somebody asks you a question and you say yes or, or you say no, you shouldn't have to place your hand on the Bible and say, I swear. You shouldn't have to do that. Your life should be such a life. There should be so much character in your life if you're trying to look like Jesus that when you say yes, people just go, okay. When you say no, they just go, okay. Like they would trust what you say without you having to make this big oath or make this big production to kind of prop up what you're saying. And so it's about character. We live lives of character. Not just when we're um, out in the world, but we're, when we're in the virtual world, the online world as well. So there, there are two major lessons that I think we have learned from um, social media. And uh, the, the first one um, is this. Uh, maybe. Oh. I don't know what happened there. Oh, did I did I do that? I don't know what I don't know what I did. Um, let me just tell you uh, what what they are, and we'll see if we can figure that out. Um, but the first thing that we learn in the in the online world is, is this: that everybody can find somebody who will agree with them and encourage them. One of the things that's so frustrating to, to me, and, and, and maybe just a pastor, somebody who kind of knows the Bible a little bit, is that I, like I can see people post something completely ridiculous when it comes to like God's word or what God says about something. And somebody can just post something completely ridiculous. And there's always at least one person who's going to come in and go, oh my goodness, that is the most amazing thing I've ever heard in my life. And I'm like, no, it's the stupidest thing you've ever heard. You're like, it's not true at all. Like, I don't even get how you got there. But, but we, can, we can say online the most ridiculous things. And because it goes out to everybody in the world, you can always find somebody who's going to support that dumb idea that you had. Like, I, I was thinking about this um, last night. Uh, one of my favorite things, like our family used to watch uh, AGT, America's Got Talent. We used to watch it all the time. Simon Cow uh, loved him. And one of the, one of the favorite things uh, that I liked was um, somebody comes up on stage and, and they do their, you know, their song or dance or, or whatever. And, and Simon would sit there and watch and they'd get done. And he would say something like, who told you you were good? <laughs> like who lied to you so that you would come on national television and, and kind of make a fool out of yourself. Um, and, and, I, and I feel like that. When we um, get online, and so all of these people can see the ridiculous things that we say, there's always somebody who's going to support us. And what does that do? That gives us encouragement to continue in that same ridiculous line of thinking or, or process. And so I'm like, oh, please, please um, don't, don't do that. Like with social media comes this flood of crazy ideas and even the craziest ideas can find a home and people who will support them and agree with them um, online. Um, so let me, let me throw out a, a, a few things. Uh, T television preachers. Television preachers have been doing this forever, but they have even a wider, bigger platform online now um, to do this. So let me just give you a, a, a litmus test for uh, preachers online. If you are watching a, a, a preacher uh, on television or online or YouTube or whatever, 
And that preacher starts talking at some point about you planting a financial seed with their ministry that God will then grow in your life. Look, you have to trust God, and so you need to plant a $1,000 seed with our ministry so that God will grow. He's going to grow your faith, and you're going to get everything you ever wanted. You're going to get burritos at lunch every day, whatever it is. got to plant that seed, right? Because unless you plant the seed, God can't make it grow. That's, the, like, that's Bible. <laughs> Let me just tell you, if you're ever watching a preacher on TV or online or YouTube or whatever, and he says that, turn that crap off. Because he's stealing from you, and he's stealing from God. Now, and, and, and I don't say that lightly, okay? But when we go back and look at those verses about planting, sowing, and reaping, you know what they're talking about? The context of those verses, they're talking about spiritual discipleship things. He's not talking about finances. But preachers have manipulated that and say whatever crazy thing there. People, I'm like, what? We need a building. Um, do I just start going online and saying, you need to plant a $10,000 seed with our ministry? Like, does this work? I'm, like, I'm amazed that this works. And people, like, those preachers will show you their big houses and all their fancy cars and their horses running around or whatever. And I'm like, I don't get it. Stop it. Don't do that anymore. Um, here's another one that's been really, I'm like, this is going to get close to home. Like, maybe you don't do the preacher thing, but this one, this one might ruffle your feathers uh, a, a little bit. I have several um, Facebook friends um, who swore up and down <laughs> that Trump had a plan to continue as our president. And even after, like, the election was over and even all of this stuff came, like, they're getting online going, trust me, Trump is going to win. And he's got to, like, and then, and then he'd go, okay, on Monday, this day, this is going to happen and this thing is going to be in place and this is going to be there. And so you're going to see it. Just wait. The Kraken is about to be released. There is no Kraken. There never was a Kraken. I know what a Kraken is. It didn't exist. It wasn't there. Okay? Um, and, and so, I mean, I've seen, even up until, like, just the last few weeks, I've seen, like, doubling down on, on this. You just wait. <laughs> Trump has a plan. Trump doesn't have a plan. Personally, from a, like, a political, like, an economic, what Trump was a fantastic president. Um, he's a wreck sometimes as a person. And I think when he got in office, they should have immediately taken his Twitter account away. Somebody should have had that, like, go, like, okay, you have to, everything you're going to say, you have to filter through me first. Like, that would have saved him a lot of, of trouble. He might be our president today if somebody would have done that five years ago. I, I, I don't know. Um, but <laughs> that we're post, like, everybody can find somebody who will agree with them. Do, do you know, let me just throw this out there, and I'm, I, again, I don't want to offend you, but... But, you know, the, like, this is a Trump stare. I mean, Kansas is Trump, Trump town, USA. Um, I, I think Q, you know Q, Anon, Q? Uh, I think Q was some freckle-faced junior hire in the basement of his parents' house eating Hot Pockets. Or, like, that's one, uh, this is one idea I have. Or, Q, uh, like, you want to talk about 
Chinese or Russian influence in our uh, political system? Q. Yeah. That, that's wrong. Now, I could be completely wrong. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe Trump was waiting for um, February 22nd to release the Kraken. I, I don't know. Um, there were no ballots that had been tampered with so that he could tell who voted right and who did. Like that, none of that was real. None of it was, was real. But it was put out there, and it was spread around the globe, and like we bought into it. So um, everybody can find somebody who will agree with them, and that gives us a platform then to continue our, our crazy, okay? The, the second thing that we um, learned... <laughs> Just like everybody can find somebody who agrees with them, even those who are right or who are saying something um, on, oh, yeah, even when you're right or you're honest or um, you're truthful about something, you will find someone who will disagree. So it doesn't matter what you put out there, somebody is going to be upset uh, about that. Um, and, and if you're... Um, like, there's, somebody's always going to be combative. They're going to be disagreeable o- online. And, and it, just, it doesn't matter what you say or, or what you do. Like, like look, um, AOC can't say anything that the majority of Republicans would agree with. doesn't matter what she says. Like, it's her, and if she says it, we're going to disagree with it, uh, especially online. And we're just going to trash her on, online. Now, I don't think she's the, smart, the sharpest tack in the thing, like, however you say it, I don't even know how you say it, um, she's not the sharpest one, um, but even she probably could stumble into a good idea once in a while, I don't know, the stamp thing that she had, that was ridiculous, uh, save the post office, you heard about that, <laughs> it's dumb, anyway, um, people are just not going to agree with her just because it's, it's her, and, and the same goes for Ted Cruz, like, I'm like, dude, if I had the money and the time, I'd have gone to Cancun too. We all would have been there together. Like, this is not a crazy thing. And yet he got trashed by it. And, and uh, anyway, no matter how true or right your post might be, there will always be somebody who doesn't like it, but who will point out a flaw or, or uh, something. And, and I have fallen vic- victim to, do, to this. So um, Thanksgiving Day 2016, I don't even remember what, uh, uh, what was going on, but we were missing something in our house that we needed. And so I thought, there's a chance that Walmart might be open, and maybe there's a couple people there, and I can go there, and I can get this thing that I need, and I'll be really thankful that Walmart is, is open uh, so that I can get this, and we can do whatever we're, we're going to do. And I had to hurry because the Cowboys game was on, right? So I go to Walmart, and I think I'm just going to run in and get this thing, and I'm going to run out, and I'm going to get home, and the night is going to be saved. I get to Walmart here in El Dorado, and the, and the Walmart parking lot is absolutely packed. I mean, out to those frontage stores, all the way up to Walmart. Like it, we parked all the way out there. It was absolutely crazy. And I'm like, what is going on? I thought I would like woke up in the twilight zone or something. And I, and I go in to the store, and it's like, roped off. They've got all these things. I've got a maze all around all of these things to get the thing that I need and, and get out of there. But it's completely, completely crazy. And, and I honestly, I was like, man, I feel bad that every Walmart worker was there in the store that night because it was completely packed with people. Now, I'm, I'm sure it was a 
you know, I don't know, door buster, Thanksgiving, Black Friday kind of thing that probably was going to start at whatever time. I don't, you know, they were moving that up and up and up. So I go out to the, the car. I stand up on the sideboards of the Suburban, and I take a picture of the parking lot. And I just posted that I was sad, you know, that I had come to Walmart and needed something. I had expected there to be a small crew of people, but everybody was there and the parking lot was full. And it made me sad that on Thanksgiving Day, all of these people, instead of enjoying time with their families or being with their families, they were here at Walmart. Um, I got ripped apart online. I mean, 49 comments on that little, like just boom, all of these people. From, um, you're at Walmart, you're part of the problem. I got called, like, names. I got, like, people, I don't even know these people. Like, they don't even live, other, who knows where they're from. But I got absolutely ripped. And I even, I mean, they even attacked the cowboys in, in them. Like, they were taking their lives in their own hands. It was crazy. If, if all you knew about me was reading that thread, you would think that I was absolutely the worst person in the world. I even tried one time, I got on there and I was like, hey, look, I'm glad they were open. I have no problem with them being open. I just expected a small group and not very many people to run in and get the thing. And I just was saddened by the fact that it was so um, overwhelming and it didn't, it didn't matter. And, and so initial reaction, I want to justify my position, opinion, or whatever, um, uh, that would have been a bad idea had I continued that. And so I just stopped. Uh, by the way, I remember that, uh, my, my brother posted on that. <laughs> he commented on that down at the bottom. He said, um, best post ever. <laughs> he was loving it from, from Idaho. He couldn't, he couldn't believe it. Anyway, um, let, let's look at this verse. Hopefully this one um, works. Uh, Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. And when he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. So when you're thinking about posting or, or commenting or engaging someone at work or online or at school or wherever you happen to be, whether in the virtual world or the physical world, it might be a good idea to ask yourself a couple questions um, and so here they are. When you're um, thinking about doing this, ask yourself a que couple questions. Am I stirring the pot or am I soothing the pain? Because a, a lot of times look, we will say, um, hurt people hurt people. Hurting people hurt people. And so a lot of times people post things, and it's not because they're angry with you or they're upset with you. It's because they're hurting, and they're trying to get that out. And so as a thing that I'm posting, is it going to stir the pot? Is it going to cause more trouble? Or is it going to soothe the pain of, of what people are going through and what's going on in the, in the online, in the thread or whatever? Secondly, am I adding to the hurt, or if I, am I offering some help? Like we would talk about this in person, right? If somebody's getting bullied at school or whatever, we're gonna as a as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, as a disciple, am, am I helping the situation or am I hurting the situation? When I come upon that scene in the physical world, am I gonna heap more insults on that person or am I gonna go stand with them and help them up? I, I, feel, I mean, we don't even have to ask what would Jesus do in that situation. We know. And so when we're in the online world, the question is, are, are we going to just, because we can and it's safe, are we going to uh, pile on the hurt or are we going to help? 
Last week, I, I shared that um, one of our core values as a church uh, could help guide us in our virtual and our physical conversations, um, and, and that we needed to strive to be relevant. It's this one right here, right behind me that you can't hardly see. We needed to strive to be relevant in our comments online and our conversations in, in person, expressing truth with grace. Both, both in both places, online and, and, and in person. So before you comment, consider if what you have to say will bring more chaos to that moment or that situation or bring some calm. Are you going to stir it up or, or are you going to soothe it? Now, Jesus was a master at um, communication. He knew when to be quiet and he went, knew when to be confrontational. When Jesus stood before um, Pilate as the Jews shouted for his death, Jesus was, was quiet. Look at this um, verse. Jesus stood before the governor and the governor asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, you have said so. So he didn't defend himself. He didn't, he didn't say, he just said, you've said it. I'm, I'm going to argue, argue with it. Okay. Now, he is accused by the chief priests and the elders. So this portion, he's just with the governor. He's just with Pilate. Now he's with Pilate and the priests and the elders who are there to accuse him of all the things he's done wrong. And it says he gave no answers. And Pilate said to him, do you not hear many things they testify against you? But he gave him no answer, not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. Two reasons Jesus was quiet in that moment. The first one is, um, whatever he had to say would have made no difference. Like the religious leaders hated him. They would seek his death even if he parted the sky. And we go back to that story and they go, like he's healed people, he's cast out demons, he's taught, like he's done all of these things to prove that he is the Messiah. And then they go, well, look, um, if you could part the sky and we could see God, then we'll believe you. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. If you haven't believed with what you've seen, you're not going to believe, even if I part the sky and I do some incredible miracle. So, so Jesus knew it wasn't going to matter, right? It wasn't going to matter what he said or what he did. They were not going to believe him. They were the original troll uh, uh, definition uh, back then. Secondly, Jesus understood his role in God's great plan to rescue humanity and to enter once again into that relational partnership with us. And so Jesus fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah 53, which said that the Messiah would be oppressed and not offer a defense. That when the Messiah comes and he is accused, that he would give no answers, like a sheep before the shearer is silent. That would be the Messiah. There were also times when Jesus was confrontational. Look at Matthew chapter 23. Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees, they sit in Moses' seat, so, uh, so do and observe, okay, do, physically do, and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. So he said, do what they tell you to do, but don't follow their example um, in life. For they preach... But they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear. They lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with one uh, finger. And these four verses, Jesus is saying, look, 
Um, don't be hypocrites like the teachers of the law. Don't pretend to be spiritual if it's just for show. Um, one of the things that gets me, again, as a preacher, I guess, of being online, is, is when, when I'm, I'm looking at Facebook or social media or whatever, and I see a Christian person post some really nice, godly, you know, meme or image or whatever, and they're like, they're all spiritual, you know, oh, God revealed this thing to me, or God said this to me, or God, like, oh, this is so wonderful. Um, and then the very next post is like blankety blank blank whatever. <laughs> I was so mad at somebody, and this is terrible and awful and horrible. And I'm like, like, okay, there's a little bit of uh, like online schizophrenia here. <laughs> Which are you? Are are you the are you the person who's like? all in for God, or are you the person who, like, hates everybody in the whole world? Like, it's, it's, it's crazy, and, and so it's, it's different. So um, what the religious leaders were teaching was good, but then they weren't doing what even they were saying to do. They were obeying the letter of the law, but they were disregarding um, the heart of the, of the law. Look what Jesus goes on to say. Um, they do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long, and they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by others. Now, that doesn't make a lot of sense, but let me break it down really quickly. Um, phylacteries, you've heard me talk about um, before. Uh, the, uh, th that sounds like a bad word. It is not, okay? Uh, phylactery is a, a box they would tie on their hand or on their forehead. They would put little scriptures in it, and, and then that would show their they were holy, and so they make their phylacteries, the little boxes, wide. They'd make them big so they stuck out so everybody could see them. Um, and the tassels, every Jew was supposed to have tassels on their garment. And the tassels and the phylacteries, the boxes on their bodies, were supposed to remind them of the commands of God and then to follow those commands of God. So remind you of the command. Don't um, covet, don't steal, don't kill, whatever. And then to obey that command. That's what those things were designed for. And so Jesus says they do these things that make it look like they're really spiritual, but then they love the places of honor at the feasts and the best seats in the synagogues, and they love to be greeted by these great greetings in the marketplaces and stuff. And so they, they, they're doing these things to remind them of the Scripture and then to do the Scripture, but they're not doing it. They're being hypocritical. Religious leaders have all the looks of the spiritual, but they've totally missed the point because they have chased after their own desires by seeking the most important seats and the fame of being in public. So Jesus calls their hypocrisy out and he tells them that they should live by a different um, rule. And here's the rule. The greatest among you should be your servant, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. See, for some, the point of um, social media is to draw attention to themselves. Even well-meaning people can sell themselves, um, claiming it's for greater influence in the world. I, I want to help people. I want to encourage people. But really, it's just for their own fame. Um, I, I noticed a, a friend of mine on social media um, recently who, uh, who, who talks about spiritual stuff a lot and how 
God has revealed things to them um, and, and like they're living their best life and it's fantastic and it's great or whatever. And then I saw uh, this same individual uh, promoting a, a coach, like a, like a life coach kind of person that helped them get to where they are, closer to God and understanding scripture in a better way. And, and so I thought, oh, that's interesting. So I went and looked at this individual that was coaching them. That individual is a medium, a psychic, a spiritist who coaches those kind of people. And, and, I'm, and I'm just here to tell you, you will not get closer to God following a psychic or medium or spirit. In fact, the scripture over and over and over tells us, stay away from those people. It doesn't have anything to do with them. So I don't know how you balance those things. Jesus knew when to be quiet and he knew when to be confrontational. And I think I've figured out the key to each and why. I think Jesus was quiet when what was being said by other people was about him. So when they accused him, when they ridiculed him, when they humiliated him, he was quiet. He didn't try and justify himself. He didn't try and praise himself. He didn't try to lift himself up or defend himself. It's, it's as though Jesus felt like his actions could speak for him. And so he just stayed quiet. And so um, several times he was confronted by religious leaders. And, and the little that he said wasn't about how great he was. It really just exposed their own motives. It wasn't protect himself. It was to help uncover their own issues so that there might be reconciliation and repentance. Um, so there's a, there's a couple times, Matthew, 20, Matthew 10, 32, and, um, and Matthew 23, 55, where that happens. We won't, we won't go into it, but, um, but Jesus didn't feel the need to defend himself. And so when the attacks were coming at him, he was quiet. But he was confrontational when um, and he caused a scene when there, there were things being done to other people or to God. So when Jesus clears the temple, right, there's a, there's a story in Scripture. In fact, there's an argument that there might be two times when this happened where Jesus comes in and he drives everybody out of the temple and he clears it um, and, and, he, and he says at the end of that, my father's house is to be a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of robbers. And so Jesus was protecting God's house, the, the sanctity, the holiness of the temple complex. The other times that we see him be confrontational is with the religious leaders when they are oppressing or, or, or sustaining injustice towards other people. Jesus always got involved when there was oppression or injustice happening. He was always confrontational in those moments. But when it was about him... Um, he, he, was, he was quiet. Our desire is to look like Jesus. So whether it's online or in person, we should try and speak into situations like Jesus did. And so if what you're about to um, post on social media, what you're about to say in a personal conversation is just to defend yourself, defend your position, um, perhaps you should err on the side of being quiet. Yes, your position has merit. Yes, you might be right. You might even be telling or speaking the truth. 
But are you trying to defend God or are you just trying to defend yourself? Maybe your political affiliation, maybe your own actions. Consider what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, in the online age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. It is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are futile. So let no one boast in men, for all things are, are yours. And what if we lived our online lives by this passage? What it says here is that, is that, that there's a way we think we should behave. And God is saying that way that you think you should behave in, in the world is is not wise. It's folly. It's going to lead you into more trouble. And so it may seem wise to defend yourself on, on social media. Ask Ted Cruz or Nancy Pelosi how effective that has um, been for them. Uh, but, but let's look at a couple more real quick. Proverbs 27 is probably best known for verse 1. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what the, the day may bring. And, and, and that's thrown around all, all the time. But I think verse 2 is really important as well. Let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. See, social media has got to this place where all we want to do is praise ourselves and lift ourselves. We take pictures with all of those filters on ourselves so we look perfect. Um, and, and even I get, like, I get caught up in this, right? So um, I, I look, sometimes people post pictures in their bedroom or whatever. They're taking this picture, and they look really good, but their room is a complete disaster. So when I take a picture or selfie or whatever, I'm like, what's behind me? <laughs> what's going on? I don't want a dirty pair of underwear hanging somewhere. Like, I don't, like, clean things up or whatever. So we, we get caught up in that. But there's this line where you can go too far, and you want everything to look perfect so that your life is perfect online, and that's not real. <laughs> it's not relevant certainly isn't relational, dealing with, with other people. Um, and so uh, what I think that says is that we need to own our failures with truth, truth and grace, and, and we need to not try to defend our dumb decisions. There are times when we need to take a stand, whether in person or online. But if we want to look like Jesus, those times are going to be infrequent. And they will be focused on things like hypocrisy and oppression and injustice. Not when they're just directed at us, but when they're pointed at, at others. So just like we're called to live different lives physically, like Jesus said, don't live like the hypocrites, like the religious leaders who follow the letter, but the intent of the heart is lost. We're to be different online. Our posts and comments and our interactions should be full of grace and, when necessary, truth. When, we, when you feel like you have to speak up, you have to, you have to get involved, you have to say, you've got to stand on God's Word in those moments, even if you know it's not going to be welcome in that context that you're speaking into. But, but above all, remember, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. Let's pray. God, this is a different world than we've lived in before, and there are a lot of things going on, and we can get caught up in so many of them. And, and 
our desire to defend ourselves or our position or maybe even sometimes feel like we're defending you. But, but I pray that we as, as people, as disciples of yours, yours, whether in person or online, that, that God, we would, um, we would always seek just to be, just to look like you. And that God, we would know, we'd have the wisdom to know when to be quiet and we'd have the wisdom to know when to be confrontational, when to be able to do that. So, um, God, would you just help us in that and, and bring us to that place and that, and that point? Would you help us to live and look like your son Jesus, both physically and online? And, uh, uh, Father, would we just be good examples of yours in each of those situations? God, I thank you um, for this day and this opportunity to share and to be here together. Um, God, as we go out this week, would we look more like you in our everyday lives and uh, would we point people to you in person, in our jobs, at work, at school, wherever we're at, uh, and in our online profiles and places as well. Uh, help those two things to, to, to be the same, that, that we'd have character, that we'd be the same person in both of those places. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to Real Life Live. Our hope and prayer is that the time you've spent with us has left you encouraged and challenged in your faith. It may have also left you with some questions or maybe wondering how all this faith stuff works. So we want to help you with that. Head over to reallifecc.us for a few different ways we can connect. We're thankful you joined us today and want to extend an invitation for you to join us in person at our current home in El Dorado, Kansas at the Civic Center, 201 East Central on Sundays at 10 a.m. We hope You'll keep tuning in and growing in your faith to look more like Jesus every day. See you next time.